Hey Good Life. It is so great to be with you today in our um, series Audacious that we're in the middle of at the moment. We've had some really great messages across the past few weeks and um, I love this idea of audacity to, to live an audacious life. And um, you know, I was looking up what audacious actually means and, uh, and it literally means to show a willingness to take significant, bold, risks right significantly bold risks a willingness to take significantly bold risks and uh you know i got i got to thinking i i wonder when the last time was that you took a significantly bold risk when was that for you the last time that you took a significantly bold risk that you did something you threw safety to the wind and you know what I reckon there's like two kinds of people um, there are the risk takers and there are the non-risk takers and um, in my family um, my husband Pete is the risk taker and it doesn't matter how many times um, he is knocked down he is going to get back up and uh, swing that cricket bat and play the great game of cricket it doesn't matter like he is a risk taker I remember when we went to, um, we traveled over to England and he was like, let's just go and get there and we'll find somewhere to stay when we arrive. And he was like, yeah, it's like, and I'm thinking, no way, I'm not rocking up in a different country without at least knowing that I have somewhere to rest my head at night. I am not the risk taker. Pete, definitely um, the risky one. but. I wonder when the last time was that you took a significantly uh, bold risk, when you were audacious. And I wonder when the last time was that you took a bold risk in your faith. When was the last time that you took a significantly bold risk in your faith? You know, maybe um, taking a bold risk in your faith looks like praying the bold prayer like believing for the miracle, praying for something that is seemingly impossible, but you're gonna step out and pray and believe for that anyway. Maybe for you, it's praying for someone else. Having the audacity to say to someone, you know what, I know that you're struggling with this issue, but I have a God that can help. Can I pray for you? Maybe that is taking a risk for you in your faith. Maybe um, it's allowing the walls down and letting the Holy Spirit come and enter and, and bring revelation to your life. Maybe it's letting him um, get to the depths of your heart and your soul and really work through some stuff in your life. Maybe that feels risky to you or, or evangelizing. I mean, there is, there's a lot of ways that we can take uh, bold steps of faith, bold risks in our faith. And you know, there's this one guy in the Bible um, who I think is quite audacious. I think that his faith, his audacity uh, was quite remarkable. And his name is Cornelius. And we read about him in Acts chapter 10. And now this guy, um, Cornelius, um, in order for us to understand why this story is so audacious, we need a little bit of understanding about this guy. And, you know, up until this point, um, the gospel, Christ has been and died and, and ascended to heaven and, and the disciples and the apostles are, are, have gone out and they're sharing the gospel, right? And, um, and so there's this divide between um, Jews and Gentiles, right? Now, Cornelius was a Gentile. 
And Christianity was for the Jews, right? The Jews believed that, um, that God, they were God's chosen people. So in order to be a Christian, uh, it kind of was, you, you sort of needed to come in under Judaism. There was this sort of process of coming under Judaism in order to attain Christianity because for them, God's gift was for the Jews. The Gentiles, um, it was not for them. The Gentiles were considered to be unclean. Um, they were considered to be less than. They were certainly not worthy of receiving the gospel unless they sort of came under these conditions. Um, they were, uh, there was stigma around them. They were considered to be unclean and you don't associate, a devout Jew or Jewish Christian would not associate with a Gentile. And so this guy Cornelius as a Gentile um, was rejected and essentially denied access to the gospel, considered unworthy, unclean. And yet we read about this guy and his audacity of faith in this moment. And so uh, we're gonna read from Acts chapter 10, verse one. When we read about this guy, he truly is remarkable. And it says this, Acts chapter 10, verse one. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was captain of the Italian regiment. So this guy was like, um, he had ranking, he had authority in his position, okay, but was a Gentile man. He was though, it says in verse two, a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. And so here we have this this guy, Cornelius, who has been raised in a culture, a Gentile culture, a worldly culture that celebrates polytheism, right, which is worshipping um, many gods and basically has this mentality of, well, whatever I need, if I need my crops to go well, well, I'll worship this God. If I need, um, you know, blessing and fertility, then I'll worship this God. And so there's no limit to the amount of gods that a Gentile could or would worship, depending on what they were trying to attain. Right, and uh, and so Cornelius has been raised in this Gentile world, um, and knows his place and position and the way that that works. And yet, over on the other side, we've got uh, this Judaism and this Jewish Christianity that says, well, you know, if you're a Gentile, then you're unclean and you're not welcome in this unless you like tick all these boxes and and, and are circumcised and come under all of this, um, you know, relig religiousness. Then, um, then you're you're not. This is not for you. You're not eligible for that. And so. Cornelius is stuck between these two worlds, but knowing in his heart, being drawn to the one true God and offering his heart devoutly, being devoted to God, has said, no, I'm not buying in to the worldliness. I'm not buying in to the world of the Gentiles. I'm not buying into the polytheism. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And yet over here, can I have that? Am, is this okay? Am I able to have this world? Because, you know, society says, no, the stigma says I'm not welcome there. And yet, despite all of this, Cornelius decided that he was going to devote his heart to God. He decided that he was going to give generously to the poor and he was going to pray regularly, out of, not out of duty, not out of religiousness, but out of devotion, a devoted heart to God. And so here we have this man, um, Cornelius, and he gets this visitation from an angel. 
And so I'm going to summarize a bit because there's a lot of scripture through here. Um, but, but go through and read it yourself because it's a truly remarkable chapter of scripture. And so Cornelius was praying one day and an angel comes, right? And the angel says to him, um, I want you to send your guys, like gather some guys, and I want you to send them off to Joppa and find this man named Peter. Uh, there's no like great description of what's to come. There's no um, step by step. It's just gather, gather your guys. Um, he says, your prayers and your uh, and your um, your offerings have gone up before God as a memorial, which I think is such a beautiful thought. So God has noticed you. He's seen your devotion. Now send these guys, go and find this man named Peter and bring him back here. And so long, long story short, um, Cornelius gathers his guys. He tells them what's happened. He sends them off to find Peter, who's staying with um, another man named Simon down by the sea at Joppa. And so um, the guys begin their, their trek, which is more than a day's journey. And as, um, as this is going on and they're traveling off to Joppa to find him, Peter himself has an encounter with God. And so the word says that he's up on the rooftop and uh, he was waiting for lunch. He was hungry. And um, I don't know about you, but when people get hungry, sometimes there's like imaginings about all the great food that they're going to eat. And so Peter is hungry, he's waiting for food and he has this vision. And essentially what happens is God gives Peter this vision of, um, of food, of animals. And he lays, he brings down these animals before Peter and says to him, get up and eat. Now, um, that sounds all good and well, but the animals that God has presented to Peter are unclean animals. And so for a devout Jew or a Jewish Christian, Peter was like, no way. I, there's no way I'm eating that stuff, God. It is unclean. There is, there's no way that anything unclean or impure is touching my lips. No. And God's like, eat the food, right? Eat the food. Eat the food, Tina. Like he's eat the food. And Peter's like, no, I'm not eating the food. Um, and eventually God says to him, Peter, do not call anything unclean that I have made pure. And so Peter comes out of his trance, out of his um, vision, and he's sitting there wondering what, what is, like this would have rocked Peter's world. Because since forever, since forever, as long as anyone can remember, um, there was clean and there was unclean. There was um, things that you would touch, eat, associate with, places you would go that would defile you and if you touch something that was unclean well now you're unclean and you've got to go through the whole process of cleansing and and the rituals of getting yourself cleansed so that you can then enter back into the presence of God and so Peter is like there is no way I would ever do that it's just it's rocking his world to think that God would say that it's okay to eat these unclean animals that it's okay um, to call something pure and, uh, and so Peter's considering this, he's confused about it. And as he's doing so, the guys that Cornelius have, has sent um, rock up and ask, where's Peter? Is Peter staying here? And so Peter goes down, long story short, he goes back with them to Cornelius's house. And he comes to Cornelius's house and it says, um, which is really quite significant, though it's such a small, seemingly insignificant moment, that it says that Peter went inside where they were all gathered. Peter went inside. Now, if you were a Jew in this time and place, 
it was not only looked down upon for you to go into a Gentile's home, but it was actually against the law. It was unlawful for you to go into a Gentile's home if you were a Jew. And so Peter goes in and he says to them, he's like, you know, I, I, I know that you know this, but you know it's unlawful for me to, to come into your home or even associate with you. Like this is not, we don't do this. And, uh, and Peter says, but God showed me this dream and so, and so I've come. And uh, as Peter goes into the house, he sees that Cornelius has gathered. Like there is a house full of people there ready and waiting to hear what Peter has to say. And, uh, and so uh, Peter says to them, like, what's going on? Why have you sent for me? And Cornelius relays the story and, and then Peter shares the gospel. And it says, you know, as Peter shared the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell and they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in that time. Verse 44, it says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. They heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And so God has shown up in a powerful way. And, uh, and, you know, so we see here this audacity, this audacious faith of Cornelius to go, you know what, I know what the world says and I know um, the stigma that's associated, but, but I can't help it. I have, to, I have to press in and find out what God has for me. And then Peter and his audacious faith to go, I know what tradition has said. I know what the law says. I know what generations has said, but God spoke to me. And I'm going to have audacious faith. I'm going to take a risk. This is a surprisingly bold risk for Peter to take, to enter into the home of a Gentile, share the gospel and see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, because of Cornelius's audacious faith, his life was never the same. But it wasn't just his life. It was Cornelius's family. It was his friends, his servants, his soldiers. It was it, like, I mean, Cornelius was like, you, need, you guys need to come over. There was an expectancy that he had that God was going to show up and something amazing was going to happen. So when he sent off the guys to go and find Peter, he's getting the word out. Like, come over, you need to come over to my house because something amazing is going to happen. Imagine if during this time of COVID where church doors are closed and we're meeting in homes. If we had that same kind of audacious faith that said, I'm expecting God to do the miraculous. I'm expecting God to show up. Yeah, we might be in my lounge room, but I am expectant of a move of God. Imagine if during this time of COVID, we were like, you know what, guys, you need to come over to my house for the Sunday service. You need to come over for prayer and worship. You need to come over for connect group. You need to come over and share a meal because God is moving and we can be expectant that he will do something incredible in our midst. Imagine if we had that kind of audacious faith during this time. But you know, Cornelius wasn't just picked at random. This wasn't just like a, you know, God needed to make a point about the Gentiles. And so he kind of went, well, I need a Gentile guy and you'll do. Now, it, Cornelius was handpicked. And I think that as we look back, we can see the reasons for that. 
Even in verse um, 1 and 2, it talks about Cornelius and that he was a devout and God-fearing man. You know, that his heart was devoted to God. Devotion is a beautiful word. It's a beautiful concept that we would be devoted to God. Not that we would just, you know, have him as a convenience, but that we would be devoted to him. Cornelius was devoted. He was generous. Right? He was generous to the poor. And not only that, he was generous to those in his world that whatever was going on for him, he wanted to share that with others. He was prayerful, the word says. As we go down a little bit further, we find that he was humble of heart. That even though he had ranking and he had those who were under him, um, that he would sit before Peter, knowing the stigma and the chasm between Jews and Gentiles that he would humble himself before Peter and say, teach me, I want to know the things of God. Tell me all about it. He had humility of heart. He opened his home for others. He shared what he knew was going to happen. He had expectancy and he gathered. He included people in on that journey. He said, you know what? This isn't just for me. I know God's doing something. I'm expectant that God's doing something, but I'm not just going to keep it for myself. He had generosity to include others in on this incredible journey. And he had audacious faith to believe that God would do something amazing. And so I think that there's a lot that we can learn from this. It's not, it's not a magic formula or a tick box that if we do these things and we can you know, expect God to show up in a powerful and mighty way. But I think it's worth learning from these things, that it's worth looking at them and going, you know, these things um, precipitated a move of God. And this move of God, as we said before, it wasn't just for Cornelius. It was for his family and his servants, his soldiers, his friends. But this moment in time actually changed history. This moment in time opened the floodgates for people everywhere from every nation, every tongue, for you and I, for everybody to receive the gospel message and a move of God from the Holy Spirit. This moment in time, Cornelius's audacious faith changed history. It has changed eternity. It has meant that we now are included in on this journey as well. Could it be that God is ready and waiting to do something amazing and miraculous in your home today? Could it be that you could have an audacious faith, a boldness that says, you know what, God, I am expecting that you will move in this place today. I'm expecting that in this lounge room, in this home, wherever you are, whether you're by yourself or with others, could you have audacious faith, a boldness to say, God, here I am. Here I am, Lord God. I want your presence. I want more of you, Father. Could you have that audacious faith today? When was the last time you took a risk on God? When was the last time you took a risk in your faith that you had the audacity to step out and ask for his presence and his boldness, to ask for a healing or a miracle? When was the last time you had an audacious faith? And you know, Cornelius teaches me a lot teaches me a lot about this audacity and this audacious faith. The fact that he had faith and audacity to believe 
that he could be included in on this journey. When all the circumstances said, no, you're not included. When all the circumstances said, this is like, this is not okay, you're unclean. You're not worthy of this. You're not eligible, right? You, you don't have what it takes to be part of this family. Despite all of that, his audacious faith says, no, I want to be included. I am gonna seek God so that I can be included. How good is God's goodness that he would include us in on this journey? And you know, maybe you're in this spot right now and you're thinking, well, I, I feel unworthy. I've certainly felt unworthy at times of being included in on God's journey. And, uh, you know, if you've never said yes to being included in on this journey, um, now is the perfect opportunity for you. Now is the perfect time to say, you know what, God, I want to be part of this family. I want to have the audacious faith that says, yes, please include me in. You know, Cornelius defied all the odds. He, he moved past the feelings of unworthiness. He, he moved past what society would think or say. And he said, I want to be included in on that family. So right now, in this moment, whether you're by yourself or, or um, in a room with a group of other people, whether you're listening in your car, wherever you are, this is an opportunity for you to say, please count me in, God. I want to be included in on this journey in this family and all it takes is a humility of heart and a prayer that says please God include me and so I'm gonna um, pray that prayer right now I'm gonna um, pray with you and all you need to do is is agree with me pray along with me and so we just pray simply like this Heavenly Father I thank you for your goodness to include me into your family despite my mess and my sin and Lord I thank you that you forgive me of all my wrongdoing, and you include me in to your family. Lord, today, I choose to be part of that family. I make you Lord of my life, and I want to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen.